Hey everyone, this is the second half of last week's episode. Just like how the greatest movies are two-parters, like Empire and Return of the Jedi, Tyler Perry's Boo and Boo 2 a Medea Halloween, this is the roast of the Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn, part two. I can't believe we didn't split the last Harry Potter, but we split this one. <laughs> and this is the book pile. Now I want to see what's the smallest book we could split in two. <laughs> This is The Very Hungry Caterpillar, part one, larval stage. (laughs) The Cat in the Hat 2, The Return of the Parents. (laughs) Green Eggs and Ham, part one. It just ends with the truer message that harassment is bad. (laughs) Green Eggs and Ham, part one. The Eggs. (laughs) By the way, if you're listening to this and you have not listened to part one, Go back and listen to that because there are callbacks in this episode that you won't get otherwise. Or if you're stubborn and this is your first episode ever, uh, I'm Kellen Erskine. And I don't care if a rule breaker knows my name. (laughs) (laughs) All right. As usual, please leave us a great review. Tinanot, a bad attempt at a palindrome, says... They are genius in combining book reviews with additional insight, all wrapped up in a lighthearted comedic package. Can't deny that one. Although when we're making fun of each other, I I think it becomes less lighthearted, so maybe they haven't listened to every episode. (laughs) That's when you mean it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, a lot of my insults are pretty earnest. They say, write what you know. (laughs) And I know that Dave often refuses to laugh at my jokes. Thanks to all the listeners of my last few episodes who have come and said hi in places like Tacoma, Spokane, Louisville, Austin. Sorry, where was it after Tacoma? Spokane. <laughs> you caught me pronouncing Spokane correctly. And I'm sure I'm forgetting a city. Uh, and if I did, I'm sorry that you live in a forgettable city. It's been super rewarding to have fans of the podcast in every city that I go to. It's been so great to meet you and to tell Dave afterwards that all of you tell me that I'm your favorite one on the podcast. Because Dave isn't there to verify that. If you want to see me live, here's a quick rundown with a couple of new dates. Listen for your state. June 15th, I'm at an outdoor show in the beautiful Mill Valley, California. Then July 7th through the 8th, St. Paul, Minnesota. Then July 9th, Mondovi, Wisconsin. Then July 21st through the 22nd, I'm at Wise Guys in West Jordan, Utah. Go to kellenerskin.com for tickets. I've got a lot more dates coming soon. All right, I have a weird request today, not illegal. (laughs) So a couple months ago, we did an episode on my graphic novel, which we're going to be selling on Amazon but the the Kickstarter went well enough that we're actually going to see if we can publish it traditionally. So my question for the listeners is, do you have a relationship with a literary agent who does graphic novels? And if so, would you introduce us? I would love to hear your answers at thebookpilepodcast at gmail.com. Watch us get 500 emails that just say, no, I don't. <laughs> That'll happen sometimes in cities where I'm like, uh, hey, do you guys have a Costco here? And half the audience says yes, the other half says no. And I'm like, "Uh, I think I know who to believe, and maybe some of you just learned something about your town. (laughs) Maybe the Costco is in a box, and there is a single particle that if it decays will destroy the Costco. (laughs) But if you don't open the box to look... (laughs) 
So last week, Dave, you introduced uh, our Desert Island game, and I mentioned the seven-plus movies that I would take with me if I could only watch those things. But what are your seven movies, and actually just five, because I know I can guess two of them, Little Women and Into the Spider-Verse, which you have mentioned once or 11 times on the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, those are both in the seven, and then Incredibles, Knives Out, Get Out, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Mm. Booksmart, and then backups are Lord of the Rings, Mad Max Fury Road, Pride and Prejudice. And I saw from some of our YouTube comments, you have to be specific about which Pride and Prejudice it is that you like. (laughs) You have to say the good one. Although there are people, I think, who do not like the 2005, which is insane to me. It's so weird that people just sort of make up rivalries. (laughs) Can't you just, can't you like two things like i can't tell anyone that i like both coke and pepsi (laughs) both groups hate me for saying that (laughs) these drinks chemically they're like eight percent difference so don't act like i just said that i love drinking ether (laughs) there are people who don't like the 2005 pride and prejudice because (laughs) there's too much emotion at the end (laughs) (laughs) It's like those old baseball fans who hate when the players celebrate. Like, Mm -hmm. this is a joyless sport. (laughs) (laughs) All right. If you didn't catch last week's episode or it's been a full week since you listened, just a couple of things to remember for context as we get ready to roast the rest of this book. Bella mixes the names of her and Edward's mothers, Renee and Esme, to name their child. You guessed it, Renesme. Oh, man. Also, one thing I forgot to mention last week, when Bella was pregnant, she thought it was going to be a boy just to throw the reader off. And Jacob is there when her baby girl is born, and he thinks to himself, no surprise there, what hadn't Bella been wrong about? (laughs) This is her best friend in the world. A guy we're supposed to root for. Uh, And finally, uh, this whole book builds up to what is going to be an epic battle between armies of werewolves and vampires with superpowers. And then they all decide not to fight the end. They just walk away. (laughs) It's what Tony and Maria wish happened at the Rumble. I just met a girl named Renesme. Record scratch. <laughs> Play it soft because the baby is sleeping. <laughs> That's one more thing I wanted to add for context, too, is that we make these jokes about Jacob falling in love with a baby, but it's like we're not exaggerating. It's this thing that Stephanie Meyer has tried to shoehorn into this <laughs> werewolf legend that she is already exploiting from the actual Quaalude tribe that right. where adult men and women will imprint sometimes on babies and then just sort of hang out until they're old enough which makes it better (laughs) (laughs) renesme renesme (laughs) it is also terrible that as soon as it's clear he's gonna marry her when she grows up he just becomes her full-time babysitter I just pushed a girl on the park on the swings named Renesme. <laughs> All right, and without further ado, 
here is the rest of the roast of Breaking Dawn. Okay, random facts. In what to me sounds like the most passive-aggressive British thing to do, Breaking Dawn won the British Book Award for Children's Book of the Year. (laughs) (laughs) You know those books you read as a child, Dave, those stories about vampire lovers and pregnant women who drink blood and, of course, the obligatory graphic childbirth scene, right? (laughs) That's what I recall from The Cat in the Hat. Ah, yes. When I read Wind in the Willows, my favorite part (laughs) is when the vampire father convinces the werewolf ex-lover to sire a child with his wife. That was my favorite scholastic book fair. In every Twilight book, the Colons spend the first 80% moaning about how bad immortality is, and the last 20% terrified that they're all going to die. (laughs) At one point, Bella and Edward are in a taxi on their honeymoon, and Bella says, I didn't understand a word of Edward's Portuguese to the driver. (laughs) Oh, really, Bella? You couldn't understand a language you've never studied? (laughs) What did you think is supposed to happen? As usual, Edward was speaking Russian, and I only caught half of it. (laughs) You don't have to tell me you didn't understand it when I already saw you not understand what a photo is. I just, again, don't understand how did Stephanie Meyer just not take a second pass at this manuscript with, like, now this info, probably unnecessary. (laughs) I want to write a version of this book where the dozens and dozens of inconsequential, unnecessary scenes and pieces of information we were fed actually does pay off at the end. (laughs) Like one of the villains comes up and says something to her in Portuguese, and she's like, I don't understand you. And it kills him. (laughs) Well, probably the scene that happened immediately off screen is that they brought like a hundred vampires to their hometown. The vampires did not kill each other. So now there's a bloodbath in Forks, Washington. (laughs) But like always, the Cullens are like, not my circus, not my monkeys. (laughs) We find out that vampires actually can be murdered with wooden stakes. And so (laughs) half of Bella's army, they whip out all the pieces of the bed that they broke apart on their honeymoon. (laughs) It's just so crazy to go from J.K. Rowling, who like, Every sentence, every single thing that happened, like if there's a moment where like at the table you see Ron shove some biscuits into his pocket, you're like, oh, that'll come to play later. And it does. But in Twilight, you're like, I just, I guess, you know, they're just hanging out right now, having a good time. (laughs) Cool cool to be a part of this, guys. Yeah. Every single scene in Harry Potter it's a Chekhov's gun being cocked so that it can fire later. Yeah. And in Breaking Dawn, the gun cocks until someone convinces it that firing is bad. <laughs> <laughs> I waited four books for Bella to do anything for herself. Mm-hmm. But nope. Every other person has to spend so much energy to keep her alive. Mm-hmm. Like she's the world's worst Tamagotchi. <laughs> All the men... Struggle so Bella doesn't go extinct. Almost like she's an endangered panda. (laughs) All right, quick question, Dave. 
Imagine you've just married a woman who is 100 years younger than you. How sore do you think your hand would get from high-fiving? <laughs> I feel like my 100-year-old friends would be like, what do you and this 18-year-old talk about? <laughs> Does she even know all the comics that were big during World War I? <laughs> and behind my back, they'd talk about me like, he's on TikTok now. Isn't that gross? <laughs> Well, that's that's the crazy thing, too, is that, like, in all of the books, Bella wants to be made a vampire because she doesn't want to get old while Edward stays young. And Edward is like, no, 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 it'll be fine. And it's like, you can't promise that. This guy is over 100 years old, but he has never once dated an old woman. (laughs) So maybe it does matter to him. All right, but for real, Dave, imagine you get married to someone your age, and that evening your wife dances with her best friend, a guy who is such a best friend that she gets to bury her face in his chest and he calls her honey. Would you be happy that your wife had such a best friend who, by the way, is almost seven feet tall and way tanner than you? And who she has kissed before. <laughs> yeah. All friendly like. <laughs> right. It's just bizarre to me as far as a story goes. Like I don't, I almost feel like, is, is Stephanie Meyer going for like emotional exploitation? Is this like a fantasy that people have? Like, wouldn't it be cool if this was normal that you just had sort of, sort of like a husband and a half? <laughs> Weirdly, I would be less threatened by him than threatened by her because I would be like, If she thinks it's okay to do this while I'm watching at our wedding, (laughs) what is happening when I'm not here? It would just be hard to trust anything unless she and I had like this arrangement of like, no, yeah, you can slow dance with other men. I'm cool. (laughs) Doesn't it seem that that it is a little twisted? Because not only is it coming in on Bella's side... Of like, no, it's fine. It's fine to have a a, a best friend of the opposite gender. Uh, But then it comes in on Edward's side, like you were mentioning before, where Edward is like, please, Jacob, please just sleep with my wife so she'll be happy. (laughs) I want to name my kids like Bella does by combining the names of two grandmas. Well, my grandmas were Colleen and Laura, so that's just cholera. (laughs) It's like how mine and Ummy's couple name is just Dummy. <laughs> I just think Renee and Esme, it's just the laziest mix of two names, too. Like, <laughs> this is my baby boy, Steve Burt. <laughs> in Wikipedia, it quotes Stephanie Meyer is saying, uh, I couldn't just name their baby Jessica or Ashley. And it's like, yeah, you could have... <laughs> Like, I get the impulse to avoid what sounds common, but, I mean, sometimes unique doesn't mean better. <laughs> like, sure. Dave, if, if you had the choice between Rachel, Heather, or Snickerpoof, <laughs> you wouldn't be like, ooh, it sounds... <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Tell me the baby's vibe. <laughs> A snickerpoof vibe is a very specific baby vibe. <laughs> Does this baby look like Bjork? <laughs> oh man, I also hate it so much that when Bella's pregnant, 
She calls her baby her little nudger. Ugh. <laughs> that sounds like a British couple talking dirty. <laughs> One of the most unintentionally funniest parts of the whole book is this span of just a few pages where Bella briefly, suddenly considers going to college. <laughs> it's like <laughs> Stephanie Meyer retroactively tries to give her some aspirations other than just being a teenage wife. <laughs> but then she ends up getting pregnant, so she can't go to college. <laughs> Stephanie Meyer compensates by making the baby a genius. <laughs> A third of this book was unexpectedly from Jacob's point of view, which nobody asked for. Like, usually an author <laughs> won't choose the most unlikable character as the story's viewpoint. Imagine if suddenly during the Order of the Phoenix, we had to just sit in Ferenza's brain for a few chapters. <laughs> as he's like, bippity boppity boo, bada bing. <laughs> Take my brain. Take everything. <laughs> take my human arms. Take my horse legs. <laughs> Talking Harry Potter. Last week I made a joke about Harry Potter. Like, can you imagine if the main bad guy was defeated by a random side character? Mm -hmm. I never dreamed that's how Twilight actually ends. <laughs> that they just build the huge army and then Alice appears and convinces the bad guys to leave. <laughs> Yeah, it's a real vampire ex machina. <laughs> Something that I don't understand is when Bella's pregnant, she has to drink blood for her baby. So, like, the dad of the vampire family that she's staying with, he gets bags of blood from the hospital where he works. And, like, different members of the family take turns bringing her th uh, this blood to drink. And none of it ever affects them. But then at one point, Bella hurts herself and bleeds a little, and it causes complete chaos. <laughs> <laughs> Like, they're just wild with bloodlust. It is, is it like, oh, yeah, it's so much better when it's not from a bag. <laughs> I just lose my mind. I did wonder that. Like, do the Colons ever consider just robbing a blood bank? Wouldn't that make everyone safer? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, he's hooked up with the hospital. They don't need to be like ripping apart moose and stuff to traumatize all these hikers in Washington. Yeah. They're out killing these endangered cougars and grizzlies. <laughs> the night before the wedding, Edward goes hunting with his brothers and Bella says, what do vampires do for bachelor parties? You're not taking them to a strip club, are you? And Jasper says, relax, we colons have our own version. Just a few mountain lions, a couple of grizzly bears, cut to a mountain lion in lingerie, sadly twerking. <laughs> this book is categorized as horror romance, but I would classify it as extreme fantasy. And not even because they're magical creatures, but strictly because Stephanie Meyer takes an ordinary, awkward, clumsy girl. Remember how she was a klutz, but only in the first book? Yeah. <laughs> and then without earning it or even explaining it, she gets stuck in a love triangle between the two hottest guys in town, marries the one with more money, and then becomes <laughs> the greatest vampire of all time. Yeah. In these stories, every vampire has their own superpower, and hers, it turns out, is that no other vampires can use their superpowers on her. 
<laughs> it's it's like when I would play cops and robbers with other kids in the neighborhood, and there's always that like oldest kid who is like, "No, you didn't get me. I'm bulletproof. Eh, can't catch me. My wrists are handcuff proof." Yeah. And it's like you can't just give yourself God mode. Yeah, you know what makes a story fun is absolute lack of stakes. Yeah, <laughs> protagonist with zero weaknesses. <laughs> Super interesting. That's why everyone's favorite superhero is Superman. <laughs> At least he compensates for his invincibility with no personality. <laughs> Emmett is one of those people who thinks it's hilarious to ask someone what they did on their honeymoon night. And his incredible joke is, what were you doing last night? Discussing the national debt. Oh, he howled with laughter. <laughs> I want to know how many times he practiced that. He's like, okay, all right, all right, this is going to kill. Pacing his bedroom all night. So what did you guys do last No. So what did you guys do last <laughs> night? Okay, what's a funny thing I could say they were doing that they weren't doing? <laughs> My favorite part of the Wikipedia page for Breaking Dawn is how, as a positive statement, it says that Breaking Dawn was the first book of the series to receive mixed reviews. <laughs> I, just love, I just love this fully implying that there's been this consensus of horrible quality. <laughs> I did it, Mom. Two stars. <laughs> it's like an Arrested Development where they're all celebrating that the stock has climbed up to the rating of don't buy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. One thing you can try today is stop giving Stephanie Meyer money. <laughs> and then this book could also be called... There's plenty of fish in the... No, Jacob, adult fish. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why I didn't think of this earlier. I think that Stephanie Meyer did this so that retroactively it would seem totally okay <laughs> that Edward was into Bella when she was 17. <laughs> it's like, oh, don't worry, it gets so much worse. <laughs> Try a day old. There's also that idea someone expressed to me that now it makes sense. Like, Jacob wasn't interested in Bella this whole time. He was interested in Renezme. And it's like, yeah, you know, Bella, how I was always into your left ovary? <laughs> yeah, that makes sense, too. <laughs> uh, this book could also be called How to Have a Successful Teen Marriage. Subtitle, The Secret is for it to be a made-up story. <laughs> this book could also be called the 140-year-old virgin. 